Welcome to Business Talk Sister Gawk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today's episode title is From Startup to Everyday Necessity. And with us, we have an entrepreneur who has started many businesses. Uh, His name is Rob Kessler, and he is going to be telling us a little bit about his business today that he's currently been working on. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hey, how are you? We're doing great. It's been a a little bit of a slow-paced morning, but it's been good. (laughs) We're excited to talk with you. Sometimes you need that. You just got to ease into the day sometimes. Yeah. So our first question for you is, what do you do? Uh, it depends on what time of the day, I guess. I have three companies that I'm, I'm working right now. One is in the process of being sold, which is our yacht charter business. Uh, that one's based in Los Angeles. And we should be closing, although I've been saying it for a month and a half, we should be closing in the next two weeks. <laughs> uh, so that one's almost done. So we bought a boat like crazy. We sold two commercial properties three years ago bought a 50 foot yacht, started doing charters. And now three years later, we're selling that business. Um, And, but my main gig is I invented a product called million dollar collar. So think collar stay for a dress shirt, except nine inches long. And it goes down the front of the shirt where the buttons and the holes are. Uh, Since nobody wears ties anymore. And I didn't wear a tie on my wedding day. My shirt looked (laughs) awful. Uh, on the biggest day of my life and uh, the photos I have proof to uh, <laughs> to show. So I came home from uh, my beach Jamaica wedding and um, started working on this product. It took two and a half to three years to patent and perfect. And uh, we've been selling for about five and a half years now. Wow. Yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this because I've been just creeping on some of your guys' stuff. And when we originally were getting an interview scheduled, it was like, oh, there's some really cool things on their website. And then the next time I went back and looked at it again, I'm like, wow, they're already like moving so fast in like all these different areas. <laughs> so just in the time frame that we've been um, connecting with you, we've seen growth in what you guys are doing. So um, our next question is, how do you do it? It sounds like this is an idea you had as an irritation. Um, So how did you decide to develop um, and solve this problem? What was the initial invention stage? So I've had a bunch of ideas over the years and I've tinkered around with some of them. Um, And this one, I think I was able to do because my wife said, go for it, use our honeymoon money. And and I believe in you and I, I, I understand what you're trying to solve. So it literally started with, um, like I said, I came home from Jamaica. I cut open a dress shirt and I shoved a piece of cardboard down the front. The part with the buttons and the holes is called the placket. Mm. And so I put cardboard down both sides and it just instantly gave structure to the front of the shirt, which my new bride was like, I get what you've been tr- you know, nagging about wanting to fix. And so <laughs> mm-hmm. I knew cardboard wasn't going to last inside of a dress shirt. So I ended up going around the house and finding every piece of flexible plastic I could find. So from milk cartons to mini blinds, we had um, (laughs) like flexible cutting boards. I was cutting up, like I tried everything. And so I would wash dry, it would work fine. I'd iron, be fine. And I'd send it to a dry cleaner and it would just melt to the shirt, ruin the shirt. So um, after I did everything in my house or tested everything in my house, I went on to you know, plastics websites and just searched for plastics, high, high heat plastics. Hmm. Um, I ordered samples of all those. I tested those. I'd send them to the dry cleaner and those would still melt. So Hmm. after ruining about uh, 70 or 80 shirts, I um, (laughs) finally hooked up with a plastics company and sat down and said, look, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. This is what I need. And we developed this material that is 
insanely highly engineered. It looks like nothing. Uh, it looks insanely simple, but I think that's the, the sign of great engineering. So it's soft enough to be sewn through. It's rigid enough to hold up the weight of the collar. It's flexible enough that you don't feel it in the shirt. It weighs almost nothing. So you don't even know it's there. So it's rigid, but it's soft. It's flexible. I mean, it's like got all these crazy properties. Mm. And uh, that was what took the longest to kind of figure out the material. Uh, we also were going to do our own dress shirt. So we did a Kickstarter back in like 2014, I think. And we did not get funded, thank God. But what happened was uh, the unequivocal feedback was, why can't I upgrade the shirts I already know and love? And why don't you just license this technology to a brand? So we went from going to make shirts that were going to cost us, you know, 20 or $30 a piece and have all this crazy inventory to a universal fitting piece that, uh, you know, I can fit $20,000 worth of inventory in a shoebox. So um, mm -hmm. it, it changed everything. And it was just a really great thing to listen to the customers and, and be able to pivot. Hmm. That's so exciting. I can imagine when you finally like were able to get this product that also was not being destroyed by uh, dry cleaners and just excitement, maybe do a little happy dance. <laughs> um, okay. So when you, yeah, you almost don't believe it. So I sent back, I sent the shirt a couple more times. I'm like, wait, no, this didn't ruin. Oh, oh we got it. We got it. <laughs> they, were, they were probably like, what is wrong with this guy? <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. The same well, I had to teach back. myself how to sew throughout this process because it just was costing way too much to like send it to somebody. And, uh, you know, my mom has sewn so much stuff over the years. She, she helped, you know, kind of teach me. I also owned a screen printing and embroidery business at that time. So instead of going from a six head machine that I could do all these colors and stuff at once, I just had to go down to a single sewing machine, but mm -hmm. I could sew. It's funny watching a, a six foot two tattooed guy. That's pretty muscular walking around with a sewing machine. People are always kind of look at me weird. <laughs> that's funny. That's awesome. Yeah. So you're learning to do all the different things yourself. So you can, uh, yeah. Serial entrepreneur right there. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so once you figured out the design you were already familiar with, what did that kind of patent process look like? So the patent process started right away. Um, I Googled everything I could find. I was on the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's website and searching for key terms that I um, would think that would be out there. Mm -hmm. um, but then the first thing you do is hire an attorney. And that's when you just start writing $1,000 checks. Uh, it was, I think, $2,000 to just do a patent search. So where I was doing just the surface search, they went deep and dug to see if they could find anything and nothing existed. So we're like, okay, this first two grand, that was a good investment. We know that there's nothing else like it. Let's, what's the next step? Um, and then it's the hard part about the patent process. One is it takes forever. Mm. And two, it just costs a lot of money. So the first, the next decision was, you know, do you want to wait six months for a response or six weeks for a response? So if you want six weeks, it's another $3,500 up front to get them to respond quicker. And the way the process is, is they write it as large and as all-encompassing as possible that our patent mm -hmm. attorney did. Mm -hmm. And then the patent office wants it as narrow and as focused as possible. So it's just, <laughs> just how much can you get away with? And every time it's, you know, I mean, the guy would like read a thing and be like 30 minutes. Oh, that was $285 for 30 minutes for him to read a response from the patent office. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it just, it's nuts. So we've got over six figures into the patent itself. Uh, and the maintenance costs. So it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's insanely expensive. 
Sarah Blakely is amazing and that she was able to pull it off and do it herself. But uh, I would, I wasn't going to risk my future on me trying to figure this out, not writing it properly and having someone come and find some little loophole. So I found a very expensive, uh, very well-respected patent firm in town to make sure that my idea and my future were protected. Mm, it sounds like you need to find a lawyer who can read really fast. <laughs> Cuts yeah. down the cost. He, he was nice enough to give himself a $20 an hour raise while we were doing this. So uh, he went from $5.50 an hour to $5.70 an hour. So yeah. How considerate of him. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ferrari wasn't good enough. I think he needed a Lambo. Uh, <laughs> or two. So what made you choose the audience that you did? Because it kind of looks like you had, you went after installers as an upcharge in the tailoring service through like maybe independent dry cleaners or whatever. But then also it looks like you went after name brand clothing as well. So what was the, what was your first target audience? And then why did you pivot um, to different ones? Tell us about that. So I am a very, very customer service focused individual. Um, I learned that from my father who owned diamond stores. Um, I've also sold cars and houses. So I like to say I sold the three biggest things that people will buy in their lifetime. And you have to really be able to take care of a customer to get the referrals, but you know, they're spending a lot of money. So I just, it's just the way I do things. Our yacht charter business is the exact same. And so I first came out with the product I would literally mail it with a, a piece of paper that I printed off because we didn't have any money. So I just printed off paper with instructions and, and hoped that they could figure it out. People would go to two or three or four or five installers to get this installed. So I knew that because it had to be sewn in, not everybody was willing to teach themselves how to sew like I did, that that was going to be the next step. I mean, what other product mm -hmm. on the planet do you buy one place and you have to take somewhere else to use? So I tried to make that transition easier and said, okay, well, we're doing decent on sales. Let's go get these dry cleaners where they're walking into anyways. Plus the dry cleaning customer who typically has 20 to 50 dress shirts and cares enough about the way that they look that they're paying someone else to clean and press their clothes is probably my customer. Mm -hmm. So instead of me having to find every individual customer and sell five or 10 at a time, I can sell them a hundred or 200 or 500 at a time and make that process easier on my end as well. Mm -hmm. So it was just, we went, started going to dry cleaning trade shows. We started meeting with those guys and, you know, taught them how to do it. Basically developed all of the print materials and all the marketing materials. So they didn't have to think at all because I mean, everybody's mm -hmm. been to a dry cleaner and you walk in and you know, the girl at the front's like, how many pieces do you have? Any stains, I'll see in three days. I mean, they're not salespeople. So we had to come up with all of that. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, to, but to me, that was just the next easiest process. I want to make it as easy as possible for the customer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then that's why we started buying the brands too, is, you know, you already know how a Tommy Hilfiger shirt fits or a Ralph Lauren shirt or a Calvin Klein shirt fits. Why not just buy it with the technology already installed? So I've got wholesale accounts. I buy the shirts. I install million dollar collar. I repackage them back the best I can with the way, like the way they came and then just sell a shirt that they already know and love. So hmm. just listening to the customers all the way back from our Kickstarter. Okay. So when you say that you had to develop like the sales material and stuff, so did you train the people who worked at the dry cleaning places to deliver your sales pitch? Uh, yes, we came up with a flyer that they stapled to every outgoing order and that took care of that. So we okay. didn't have to talk to anybody, we didn't have to treat anybody. It was like, 
just staple this to every outgoing order and it explains exactly what it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we well, work and- 650 dry cleaners. We can't, there's no way we'd be able to train all the people. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. <laughs> well, and it, I feel like too, when I was thinking about that, I'm like, man, that there's not a lot of diversification and dry cleaner can do anyways. Mm-hmm. So this is a really nice upcharge service that they can offer. That's relatively simplistic for them to do once they have the process down. Mm-hmm. So I could see. Yeah, I mean, my really first good. shirt took me 45 minutes to do because I didn't know how to sew. But most of the dry, the tailors we talked to laugh when I say, yeah, it takes like 10 minutes. They're like, I can do five or six shirts in 15 minutes. I mean, it is, they said uh, putting a button back on is the only thing that's easier than putting my product in. So it, it's really, really easy. It's a great upsell. Um, and that's, you know, that's our pitch to these dry cleaners. Hmm. Yeah. So how valuable was networking in this process for you? Uh, I've always done it. Um, I've learned that from my father as well. He joined a country club when he didn't have enough money. Uh, But he knew that being around the right people and the right types of business people were going to get him where he wanted to go. Uh, One of the first things that happened to me when my wife and I moved to Los Angeles was met some girls, went on this business networking hike, met a guy who became not only a mentor and advisor, but one of my closest friends and just happened to be one of the founders of a little company called Expedia.com. Being around that type of person that's been and done and seen and launched a billion dollar company is, it's insane. So uh, I love to say that I, I like being the dumbest guy in the room because I can absorb information from everybody. Everybody's willing to help mentors love to help people as long as they do what the mentor has mm-hmm. advised. I mean, they've bought time at this point and they're successful and they have, you know, a limited, or, you know, they have more flexible time, but time is the most valuable thing to them. So to waste somebody's time and say, Hey, uh, I could really use your advice and then not listen to them and not implement the things that they say, you're never going to get that advice again. And, and, the mm-hmm. people that we surround ourselves know with, that we're going to go and do what they say that we're that we should do. I was thinking today while I was driving about like <laughs> there's this quote that Iron Man says about like he just is like talking about being the smartest person in the room or something like that. And I was thinking like what would be int- an interesting mentality to adopt is to always assume that you can learn from everybody in the room. And so I think that that's interesting that you're surrounding yourself with people that um, that you want to learn from. So um, on that note, what advice do you have um, in terms of setting goals that people who are kind of going down this avenue and, and wanting to invent something? Um, so what goals would you advise them to set? And how, what did you learn about that in the process? Uh even the greatest idea on earth takes longer than you think to implement. Uh, so <laughs> number one, <laughs> be patient um, and, and just know that incremental advancements are, are all that you need. You know, we've been selling for five and a half years. It took three years of prep before we started selling. So, um, you know, I'm not nearly as far as I want to be, but I'm a whole lot further than I was a year ago, two years ago, or five years ago. So, you know, you just need to make a little bit of progress every single day and keep moving the ball forward. I mean, they always say that overnight success has happened in 10 years. So I'm seven years in, I'm pretty close. You're going <laughs> to know about me soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that's, that's one of the things that I was going to say too. I'm betting by this point, there are quite a few people that 
maybe don't even realize that your invention is in their wardrobe and don't even realize it because maybe their um, significant other got those installed for them or, or whatever else. So with that being said, how do you identify the next target market as you're taking this to grow further? So um, one, we're always trying to, to make it easier for the customer. Uh, what we have not been able to break into yet is a big licensing deal. We had one on the table. It was, we were very, very close and the perfect storm of terrible things happened all at once. Mm. And a 2 million unit test order fell apart, um, mm. like almost overnight. So, um, you know, the next thing is, is I just keep trying to find different ways to put this product out there. Uh, the newest mm -hmm. thing that we're doing, we did start our own dress shirt company called Go Tylus. Uh, we actually sold out 85% of our inventory during COVID uh, mm -hmm. or the beginnings of COVID because everybody stopped advertising. So our dollars went four or five times further than they used to. Nice. And uh, we weren't able to get anything else remade. So we've got a hodgepodge left of shirts. And um, to kind of separate ourselves, I've come up with a new idea, which is I can digitally print anything on fabric, any logo on fabric. So instead of your traditional left chest <clears throat> embroidered, you know, trade show shirt, I can take your logo, print it on fabric and actually build it into the shirt. So our newer venture for GoTylus is these custom printed dress shirts. So think hotels, restaurants, bars, car dealerships, insurance company, anybody who wears a dress shirt daily and kind of has this dress shirt uniform, I can take the logo and build it right into the shirt inside the collar band, inside the cuffs. I mean, it looks amazing. The print quality is insane and I can do any color. So that's the new fun little thing that we got going and we're going to keep continuing to try to get this licensed and uh, just put it in front of as many people as possible. Yeah, well, and when you were talking about how you had previously had like a printing company for t-shirts and stuff, it just, it's so cool to see consistently with entrepreneurs how no previous experience is ever wasted because I don't even think most people would have ever thought of that. But mm -hmm. because of the previous experiences you've had, you have way more of an advantage now in the business that you're running. Um, I had one more question for you before we get to our last question. And I was doing a little creeping on, on you before this. And one of the things that I noticed you highlighted a lot in a lot of your material about you was that you work uh, really well with your uh, spouse. And what does that look like to have um, a significant other be in working alongside you? Uh, it's some of the greatest days and some of the worst days. I mean, we are very, very different. And we knew that from the beginning of dating that uh, I even have a tattoo on my arm, which is a very loose yin yang. Uh, because we balance each other out. And when we mm -hmm. appreciate the things that we do differently, we're unstoppable. But it's mm -hmm. the things that we do differently that means that we'll butt heads and, and mm -hmm. kind of hit a roadblock from time to time. So um, it's, it's incredible. I mean, we built this yacht charter business from nothing to uh, an exit in three years, less than three years at a crazy growth rate. I mean, it was, mm. we're up 320% year to date. We're up 250% last year over our first year. So, um, I mean, I couldn't have done it alone. She couldn't have done it alone. And um, it's incredible doing it together. 
That's so awesome. I feel like that's uh, not always the case with entrepreneurs, but it seems like it's um, for really successful, well, not really successful, but for some successful entrepreneurs, they've just like had the support system and that's um, so encouraging to hear. So thanks for sharing that. Um, you definitely need somebody that understands because, you yeah. know, when I had the screen printing business and, you know, there's something went wrong or we didn't get it done right or whatever, you know, and I've got to print shirts until three or four in the morning to get the mm -hmm. job done, no matter what else is happening. She needs to know that I, I got to cancel. I got to stay up. I need to drink 14 Red Bulls, whatever it is. <laughs> I have to get the job done because that's what's most important. Uh, in nine years of screen printing, I never missed a deadline and never delivered less, less shirts and were ordered. Mm -hmm. And that's unheard of in the industry. So um, if your priorities are right and your spouse understands, then that'll make things a whole lot easier. Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our, our last question that we had for you would be, uh, what resources would you recommend to anyone who's looking to start out with a new product? Like whether that's books or YouTube videos um, or tips. Well, yeah. I mean, YouTube university is great. You can, you know, do as much digging as possible, ask as many questions as possible. Um, I listen to a lot of audiobooks because I get distracted on what I'm doing. I usually have to listen two or three or four or five times. And every time I listen, I hear something different because I might be driving and I hear something and then my mind wanders off. So mm. I'm constantly learning. I'm involved in um, networking groups. I'm constantly meeting new people. So, um, you know, you have to be able to be vulnerable and, you know, tell people you don't know and ask a question and put yourself out there to be you know, to find the answer you're looking for. Mm. I think the ego gets in the way a lot. People kind of get in their own way. You have to also be able to listen to your customer and pivot. I mean, if, if what you think is great, isn't great, then you're not going to sell anything. Mm. Uh, we're at almost 400,000 units sold. So, uh, and that's because I would listen to my customers and try to give them what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, where can people find you? Uh, the easiest, the main thing right now is million dollar collar. So we have the Instagram million dollar collar. We have Facebook. We have our website, obviously million dollar collar.com uh, for international people. We have moved everything to Amazon because it's just easier and cheaper to ship things through Amazon. So um, we're all there. If anybody's got any questions about patenting or um, has any interest in our new upcoming digital printed shirts, um, you can email me directly at rob at milliondollarcollar.com. Awesome. Awesome. And you've kept you. your video on the whole time and we can see that like the, the, it does look very nice. You've got like the collar. It looks very crisp and professional. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, we always transition to our gawk at the end of the episode and um, we're going to share a story with you. Mm -hmm. um, Ruthie has one. So um I haven't heard this one yet, so maybe you can share it with us. <laughs> okay. um, basically, I, I've talked about this a little bit before on the show. One episode we did, I told my most embarrassing moment, which involved a dragonfly and a children's <laughs> concert and me having a one-woman mosh pit by myself. <laughs> and She's yeah, not a bug person. Yeah, not a fan of bugs. And so um, I was up at our cabin this last weekend or this last week. And, um, I had left all of the windows open upstairs because it was boiling hot. And then in the middle of the night at like four in the morning, I, I guess it was probably three anyways, the, it, I woke up because it was raining and I was like, Oh man. So I ran upstairs. And then as I was shutting all the windows and stuff, I remembered that I'd put this 
bug zapper outside that's kind of broken and so like some of the wires are exposed it's like that probably should not be on and also getting wet <laughs> and so I went out to go grab it I brought it inside but I didn't want to just set it on the ground because it was wet and so I went to go put it in the tub like just set it on the side of the tub and I tapped it on the side and there happened to be a whole bunch of live moths <laughs> erupted from the bug zapper were flying everywhere and I'm like half asleep because it's three in the morning and I'm like this like all, I can just imagine oh this like I, them flying everywhere around you I'm all blurry eyed anyway I'm like barely awake and they're just like and again I'm terrified of bugs so they're all flying at my face and I'm trying to like slap them down into the tub and splash water on them I whipped out some Windex and I'm just like <laughs> How is that even helpful? Like Windex well, is not even like it was. A, bugs. It was a yeah, but it was like a. a it wasn't toxic, and it was like it's <laughs> gonna gas Whatever myself. It's a shotgun approach. <laughs> Seriously, oh, it was horrible. And if you've ever smelled dead bugs and Windex blended together, it's disgusting. <laughs> So that was a very rude awakening and it just literally felt like it just kept going and going like there, I think I was done and there'd be another one flying at my face. <laughs> so were you alone? I mean, did you wake up everybody in this whole cabin situation? Um, I was by myself. I can hear you screaming right now. <laughs> Yeah, no, she was there by herself, which I also was thinking about. I'm like, that probably would have been like way more terrifying because you're the only one there. Yeah, and it just kept going. So like, I was like, will this ever end? We moved from California where there was no screens on windows. Our doors stayed open all day long in the backyards so and the dogs would come and go. And now I'm in uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia, and there mm -hmm. is a ridiculous amount of bugs. Nobody mm -hmm. prepares you for the amount of bugs that are here and the size of them. <laughs> Carpenter bees, holy crap. Yeah. These things are massive. <laughs> massive. Man, I don't even know what to compare it to. Like a jelly bean is a regular bee. This is like eight jelly beans in one. And they're huge. I would pack up and move instantly. <laughs> oh, and well, snakes. My neighbor just texted me a picture of this three-foot snake that was dead in the road. Oh my god, oh, dude. Uh, I, I had shivers for an hour after goosebumps just seeing the thing, seeing the picture. Two? That's like literally half your size. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, oh. thank you. <laughs> well, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, like we said, if you want to reach out to Rob or check out his product, it's million dollar collar. And um, if you enjoyed this episode, you should give us a review you on Apple Podcasts. We will see you next week.